Amen. Amen. Everybody turn to your neighbor, the one that's on your left, and I want you to just say thank you. Thank you for coming. All right. Now everybody turn to your neighbor on your right and say thank you. Say thank you for coming. All right. Now everybody turn to me. Thank you. Thank you for coming. All right. There you go. Like so usually I'm left out with that stuff, but not today, right? Amen. Everybody say the Lord's Supper. Everybody say the Lord's Supper. What's up, Lord? There was like this uh the saying back in the day, it was like in the, a lot of rap songs, like, what's up, God? I think it was Wu-Tang Clan, I don't know. But it was like, what's up, Lord? Right? Because well, this is this Lord's Sup, right? This is the Lord's different what's up. I'm just kidding, right? But Elevate, we meet every Friday at 7 p.m. Uh, if you're not here, we wish you'd be here. I'm Joseph Bonilla. I am the youth director here. A lot of good faces I see here. Good to see you, Gia. I feel like I haven't seen you in two years, right? If I didn't see you... Until 2022, I literally would have seen you until the year after, right? It's crazy how that works, right? I like telling people that, like, I'll see you next year. Like, if I see you before the year ends, I'll tell you, see you next year. But I'm, you know, just just wanted to say that. But anyway, moving on, right? Everybody say family of God. So anybody here family with the person next to you or someone in this room? Yeah, most of y'all are family, right? So this is this is something that's probably going to be more or easier to understand than others. But uh, how many of you are only children here? Only child? Who's the only child up in here? Abdi, I can't believe you just rose your hand. Libni, get her. Libni, get her. She just rose her hand. She just disowned you. I'm just <laughs> but I'm an only child, so when when people would say, oh, you know, this is your brother, this is your sister in Christ, or like, you know, that's like your brother. I mean, I have a whole different perception of what a brother is and what a sister is. For example, like sibling bickering, I don't get that because I never had a sibling, right? Um, like to me, y'all just seem petty. That's just how it is. But then, like, I, I learned that that's actually part of growing up. Like to me, I'm just like, y'all immature, petty people. But it's like, no, they ate your cereal and you feel this need to slap them. It's just like... Something that happens. But uh, sibling rivalry, you know, uh, how many of you grew up with both parents, right? I didn't grow up with both parents. I grew up with my dad only. So I don't even understand really. I, I mean, to a certain extent, I understand because I, I, I lost my mother when I was about 10. So before that, I saw my dad and my mom argue. But after that, I didn't really see my dad and my mom argue. So I didn't really have this, this concept of family, family order, you know, dinner table. You know, we got food. We just ate wherever we were. I would eat in my room, play video games. He would eat watch TV, like I, there was really no connection there at times, but there was, and when there was connections, I felt family, and family is important. Everybody understands that family is not just the people that you're, you know, you're, you're related to, but it's the people you have a bond with. This is family, and with Christians, we have a significant bond. It is the bond that is connected not by similarities, not by politics, not by church, not by anything and by when I say church, I mean like not by a building, not by anything but the blood of Jesus, right? That is the bond that we have as Christians. That's what makes us family, right? And I'm not talking about the Vin Diesel memes. I love those, right? If only we can get one where Vin Diesel looks like Jesus, and then it's at the supper, and he's saying we're family, 
That's not sacrilegious, right? I don't think so. That'd be dope, right? Anybody, anybody think that would be a good meme? Quality meme? It's okay. I'm not a meme maker, so it don't matter. All right, but anyway, let's go to 1 Corinthians 11, verses 26 to 27. How many of you went out for Black Friday so I can make you feel bad about yourself? Just kidding. I, where's TJ? Because he went out. Where's TJ's fit? TJ's fit. That's all Black Friday right there. That's Black Friday right there. Well, how many, how many of y'all went to Black, Black Friday shopping? How many of you are going to do Cyber Monday, right? How many of y'all ate some good food yesterday, Thanksgiving? How many of you slammed? I know I slammed. I'll let you know a little bit of what I ate. I ate some Puerto Rican rice. I had some turkey. I had some salad. I had some tres leches. I had some, uh, some I would say cucarachas. I don't know the English word for it. It's not cockroaches. It's the, sh- the shrimp that's like that. Not, it might sea monkeys. I don't know. It might be cocked like the, that's not. It's not cocktail. There's no fish called cocktail. Shrimp cocktail. It would be that, but that's puffed usually. So and then I ate some pasta. I ate a lot of stuff, man. I was just, I was just eating. I ate too much. Got hit with the itis. Got hit with the food coma. I'm thankful for it, right? But how many of y'all had it with family? I have had it with family. Okay. And this is the truth. How many of y'all have family members that we all kind of separate ourselves from? Like, oh, that's the crazy one. That's the crazy uncle. That's the crazy. All those people, I don't talk to those people. I, I, try, to, I try my best to, look, to take, uh, you know, stay away from them. Right? We, we have family that members that maybe they despise each other. They ignore each other. Like, you know, you have sister-in-laws that they won't even look at each other. You know, it's just like they don't even speak to each other. They speak to their husbands to speak to them. All right? Like on some, on some weird novella stuff, right? Now, here's the thing. The gossip and the slander, all that stuff that happens in modern families uh, or families of all time, that creates factions. And factions are like divisions, groups within the family. So you have a family, a bunch of family members here that hang out with, with certain family members but don't hang out with other family members, and they refuse to change. You see, in this it's kind of like typical. We see that in our lives. We see that in high school. Well, let's, go to, let's talk about our lunch tables, right? How many of you all have your own lunch table in your lunchroom? Like you always go to that spot, right? You don't really go to other lunchrooms. I mean other lunch tables. The, the lunch table that you go at, that's the one that's yours. I remember in grammar school, if I ever sat at another lunch table, it was like I was committing mutiny. It was like I was betraying everybody at my table. And I remember it was like, bro, what's up, man? We ain't good enough for you anymore. You had to go with them now, because like for me it was like it was a small it was a it was a school and the Latino population was small. It was like twenty percent. Then the rest were my my friendships my my friendships the other friendships I had to make were with Caucasian dudes, white people, right? So it's like white people, Latino people. So the Latino people usually stuck together and we sat at a table. Then one day I was feeling like man I'm I'm gonna make some other friends and I sat next to the white people and they got real mad at me. And they started to make fun of me. And they started calling me white. It was weird, just like that. That that happened. Now, that's a faction. That's a group. That's a division. The school, the class wasn't that big. It wasn't like we had 200 people, 300 people. It was about maybe 60 people in that, that class. Big for some people. But, and it was divided. And then there was tables where it was like there's people that just played Dungeons and Dragons and, and uh, you know, liked photography and art people. They, they became famous later on on Instagram, later on. But in grammar school, it's like, man, we don't talk to those people. And, and it's, it's weird when we look and we see that in every society. And here's the thing. The church is not 
kind of separate from that problem. How many of you have been in church and you've seen your cliques? You've seen cliques in churches. You see, like, these people want to hang out with these people. Maybe I'm talking to you already. You know, maybe you guys are in a clique. Maybe you guys, I only see you hanging out with certain people. And if you, you are caught hanging out with other people, it's only for like two seconds just to get something. Like, man, that dude has the last cup of Takis. I need to eat some off him real quick. You're like, hey, bro, how you doing, man? And you get into two-minute conversations. By the way, can I have one of those? Oh, yeah, for sure. Thanks, bro. And then you just dip. Maybe you're like, Joe B., you've done that to me multiple times. And I may have. I may have come up to you, had a conversation with you. But it wasn't just to get a Taki. That was part of it. But it wasn't just because of that. Now, here's the thing. Uh, when people came together to eat, Right? It was the Lord's Supper. Let's read this, 11, 26 to 27. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, everybody say unworthy manner, will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Now, what exactly, what it, so what is the exact way we should be eating the Lord's Supper? What is it to be, how is it being done in an unworthy manner? Well, the way that we do it right is simple. We remember the Lord Jesus and his death, and we remember those we're eating with. We are mindful of Jesus and his death, but we're also mindful of the people that we're with. Because remember, Paul, this is Paul speaking, Paul, he wants to help people. He wants to help the churches. And what he's doing is he's trying to set things in order. Let's go to 1 Timothy 3, 14 to 15. This is just to help us understand Paul's mindset. The Bible calls the church a body. It calls the church a bride. The Bible talks about brothers and sisters uh, in the church. And we see here, Paul, he's speaking to another guy that's leading a church called Timothy. He's like his mentee. And he's telling him, although I hope to come see you soon, I'm writing you these instructions so that if I'm delayed, if I can't come, you'll know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household. Let me ask you this. What's in a household? A bunch of turtles? Maybe just a bunch of people. They're chilling there. Like, no connection to each other. What's usually in a household? Families. Families are usually in households. How many of you, let's raise your hand if you think that the church has always met in buildings. Big buildings. Right? Let's go way back in the day. How many of you think they met in cathedrals? Cathedrals are the big Catholic churches with the little pointy top, cute churches. Like cool art demons on there kind of sometimes, you know, it's weird. But how many of you think they met there? Okay, how many of you think they met in houses? That's where they met. See, this church and most of the churches in the first century, they met in houses. And in the house, usually someone owned that house. And usually that person was a father. And that person usually had a wife. And that person was usually a mother. And those people usually had kids. And they were a household. But not only were they a household on themselves, but they met in the house, and that showed that that household was, a, was God's household, right? How many of you had your parents be like, hey, you ain't acting like this. This is God's house. How many of you had that before? Like, never once ever got yelled at and been like, this is God's house. You can't act like that. How many of you, when you get to church, your parents are like, hey, listen, don't scream. This is God's house, right? Well, every house is God's house. Let's just be honest. But, but there's some truth to that. You see, because Paul... 
He's trying to order not just a church, but he's trying to order a household, God's household. And the thing is, I'm not going to go through how the order should be, but I'm going to show you just some things that he notices that are wrong and just how that can actually apply to us, how we can actually be out of order in our household because of that, or we can be out of order and elevate because of that, and or how we can be out of order when we go to school or wherever we go in life. Paul notices, one, there are divisions. He notices, two, people are taking communion, the Lord's Supper, in an unworthy manner, manner, and then three, people are being selfish. So when we get into the divisions, obviously, how many of you know math? Anybody know a little bit of math? I'm not even saying like you're good at math. I'm just saying you know math, right? You know math. To divide is to take away, correct? Amen. All right, let's go. You're past fourth grade. I believe it now. To divide is to take away. So when we have divisions, we have people that are being taken away. What are they being taken away from in this passage? Well, let's look, right? When we go to 1 Corinthians 11, verse verse 19, or verse 17, I should say. Paul, he's going, in, he's going in. He says, in the following directives, I have no praise for you. That means he has nothing good going. They have nothing good going on. For your meetings do more harm than good. When you come here, it's actually worse than when you wouldn't come. Some of y'all, for Elevate, that's true. Sometimes you come to Elevate, you're some nice kid. Then all of a sudden, when you leave, you're just like, what happened to you? What is Elevate doing? I've had that happen many times where people come to Elevate, and they're worse off. That's an issue. That's not my issue, though. That's still your issue. And I'll tell you why. Here's the thing. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you. So divisions, the word for division is schism, to separate, to leave, right? And we understand that to divide is to take away. So there are divisions among you, and to some extent, I believe it. That means Paul's like, listen, I think the best of you guys, but I'm kind of believing these rumors. I'm believing what I'm hearing. No doubt there has to be differences among you to show which of you had God's approval. That means no, ma- no wonder what, right? If someone isn't saved, it's going to show that they're not saved. If someone isn't approved by God, they're not living right for God, of course there are going to be divisions. That's just how it is. It shows us who's in and who's not, in a sense. Now, so then when you come together, when we come together, when we, be, when we join together in fellowship, right, it's not the Lord's Supper you eat. For when you are eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. So when they come together for the Lord's Supper, here's the division. They end up leaving to eat by themselves or amongst themselves away from certain people. And here's the problem with that. The result is this. One person remains hungry and another person gets drunk. We'll get into that for a second, but let's talk about the divisions. People are coming together just to eat separately. Why is this a big issue? Well, it's the Lord's Supper. It's not just your supper, Nietzsche. It's not Hannah's Supper. It's not Evie's Supper. It's not Astrid's Supper. It's not TJ's Supper. I don't know uh, what TJ would make for a supper, but I bet it'd be good. Maybe something Jorge's making. Jorge, what are we making for your supper? Maruchan. All right. I like that. All right. So here's the thing. When people got into, a Lord, into the supper, right, when you invite someone over to eat, think about your, at lunch, what are you inviting people to do? Okay, but like, like very specifically, what are you doing? Like instruction-wise, hey, come to my, 
Hey, who said it? Table. There you go. Table. All right. There's a lot of talk about tables in the Bible. It's really interesting because in the ancient world, the tables meant fellowship. It was a mark of fellowship. The table also meant that uh, it showed that God was able to provide. When we put food on there, we showed God is providing this. You know, we ate it because this is showing God can provide for us. It also demonstrated a privileged community that was able to trust God. Kings, when they welcomed you into their table, it showed that you had been honored by the king. So tables had a big significance in the Bible days, right? If you bring someone to your table, that's a rite of passage. It's no different than today. You know how many of you have been to family parties and you're stuck at the kids' table? I know some of you, I've been to your house and you're stuck at the kids' table. I see you and I laugh quietly while I'm eating the best food I can eat. And one day, though, you'll be at the adults' table. And when you come, you'll be greeted as such as an adult, right? Now, here's the thing. Stephen Bass family, when you're hanging out with some friends and outside of school for the first time, and then you see them in school, and they're like, hey, bro, why don't you come over here? Let's hang out right at the lunch table. Well, now you've just been invited to their group. You're a part of their group now. It's literally common. When Jesus invites you to his table, what is he saying? He wants you to come and eat with him. He wants you to fellowship with him. He wants you to be with him, participate in who he is. So it is the Lord's Supper at the Lord's table, yet people are not partaking in that. They want to take away from that. but They want to make it about them. They want to make it about their group. They want to make it about what they're on. They want to make it about what's going on in their life, in their mind. They don't want to make it about the Lord. Instead of the Lord's Supper, it's their supper, right? They had some weird names like uh, Aquinas and Timothaeus, right? They wanted to make it about Timothy's or... No, he was a good guy. They wanted to make it about Jezebel's supper, right? Everybody knows Jezebel. She's a bad character, right? But it's, it's wrong. It's wrong. Imagine you come to someone's house, and there's one table, and everyone's eating at it, but then you have four people or five people get up, and they give you the side eye, right, and they start eating somewhere else. Obviously, there's a division there. They're not together. Paul reminds us that what communion is about, though, in verse 23, because he says, For what I received from the Lord, what I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Of me, For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. He reminds us that this is a proclamation of the Lord's death. This is saying, hey, Jesus has died. His blood is shed on us, not just me, but on all of us. His death was for all of us. He didn't just die for me and my group. He died for the whole group. He didn't just die for me and my four no more. He died for the whole world. So when we get together and we eat the bread, we drink the wine, right? We do this in remembrance that Jesus' sacrifice was for everyone at the table. We all are in this. No one is left out. We're all part of this one body. So for people to divide, to take away from that, it's evil. It's divisive. It's breaking up the body of Christ that's supposed to be one. So here's the issue, right? People are doing exactly the opposite of what Jesus intended. 
right? They're making communion not about remembering Jesus, but about remembering whatever they want to do after or remembering whatever they want to do with those group of people or remembering how they don't like those people. That's wrong. That's an error. How many of you have seen that in your own life? You come to Elevate. You stay away from certain people because they irritate you. They annoy you. Specifically, uh, you know, you, you, you don't talk to them at all, right? I've seen that many times. I've even seen it from leaders in the past. Like, man, I don't like those youth. Or, man, I don't like these leaders. I try not to hang out with them. But we cannot say we have fellowship with Jesus if we don't have fellowship with one another. And that is what this is saying. Well, that's what Paul is trying to remind us. We have to say this communion is for all of us because Jesus died for all of us and he's coming back. Or we can't say that at all. We ask to be for all of us or it's for none of us. There was a brand called FUBU that I used to love growing up. It was affordable. And it was, it was basically a, a, a black-owned company. I didn't know that. But the black-owned company was this, for us, by us. Right? It was for black people by black people. And my mom was like, that ain't for you, son. I'm like, why, mom? It's because it's for black people. And she's explained the history. But here's the thing. On the flip side, when it comes to Jesus, right, Jesus is for us, right, all. He's not just for an exclusive group of people. He's not just for Evie and, his, and her brother and her other brother, right, and, and another little one coming, right? It's not just for, for them, right? It's not just for Abdi and Libni. It's not just for Nathan and Daniel. It's not just for Brandon and Lydia. It's not just for AJ and Isis, right? It's not just for Bree and her family. It's for all of us. You see, there is no one excluded. But here's the problem. Because of that, people are taking communion in an unworthy manner. It says they are sinning against the blood and the body of Christ. See, when you do this, when you divide, you're actually not just sinning, right, but you're sinning against the blood and the body of Christ. That means you're completely going against the opposite of what Jesus is intending for the blood and the body to do, because the blood and the body was to make covenants. It was to make a relationship with the people at the table. When you say, no, I'm not in fellowship with them, but I'm in fellowship with you, basically they're saying is that we're divided. Jesus didn't do what he was supposed to do. And this is an issue. In 1 Corinthians 10, 14 to 21, it, makes, it gives another example of what they're doing that's so wrong. It says, therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. Everybody say idolatry. That's to make something God that isn't God. And he says, to flee from, and I speak to sensible people, judge for yourselves what I say. Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? When we give thanks to Jesus and we do this communion, we're participating in the blood of Christ. That means what Jesus' blood and the power that it has, that's coming into our lives. That's changing us. That's making us do. That's, that's, we're acting in that way. And it is not, it's not the bread we break a participation in the body of Christ. Because there's one loaf. We who are many are one body, for we all share one loaf. And he says this, consider the people of Israel. Do not those who eat sacrifice participate in the altar? Do I mean then the food sacrificed to idol is nothing or that an idol is anything? No, but the sacrifices of pagans offered to demons, not to God. And I do not want you to put participants with demons. And now to finish it off, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons too. You cannot have a part in both the Lord's table and the table of demons. You see... I say all this to say, I say all that to say this. Paul, he's speaking to people that are idolatry, acting idolatrous. They are refusing to participate 
in what Jesus was trying to start, but yet still take communion. They're trying to have their cake and eat it too. They're trying to have their share of sin, their share of corruption. They're trying to have their share of what they want, but then still maintain this Christian-like appearance. But that's not how it works here. You can't be a part of the Lord's table and the table of demons. And what do, de- what do demons do? They, they divide. They divide. They try to divide the body. They try to divide, steal, kill, and destroy the sheep. So what are these people doing? They're partaking in the table of demons. Instead of partaking in the table of the Lord, they're partaking in the table of demons. Now, I'm not saying right now this is some Dr. Strange, Scarlet Witch stuff. This isn't some Harry Potter, uh, you know, hocus pocus type, type stuff. We have to get out of this idea of what demons are. Dem- de- demons and everything, it does, it's not just the exorcist rolling her head around. Demons are, are things like gossip, Right when you have this idea, right, or demons kind of like influence and start gossip in people's groups, right? Demons are the ones that kind of infiltrate people's intentions and they and their convictions, and they try to distract and deter people from the Lord's truth. And it's a subtle, it's a subtle thing because think about this, right? Has anybody ever heard of the Trojan Horse? It was a story about a a uh, it was a story about the Trojan War where I believe the city of Troy was invaded by the city of Athens. I could be wrong. If not, it's two Greek cities. Now, they gave a peace prize to one city, and it was this huge horse. And in the horse was a bunch of guards and soldiers. And they were waiting to get in the city so that when they got in the city, they would invade and destroy the city, right? Only a small group of soldiers, but in the city when they didn't expect it would cause a lot of damage. So what I'm saying is demons kind of act like that. What they do is they infiltrate you with like almost like a peace offering. Oh, demons aren't that bad. Or the, what the demons are offering aren't that good. Slander's not that bad. Gossip isn't that bad. Those things aren't like smoking or lying or cussing, right? So I'm going to continue to do it. Oh, you know, I don't like those people, but it's okay because I still love God and I love these people. See, subtle things like that is what infiltrated this church. And subtle things like that is what continues to infiltrate churches everywhere, including at times Elevate. That's why we have to be on our guard. We have to understand that there's only one table. There's only, because there's only one Christ. So there's only one Christ. And like he said, there's only one cup, right? Only one blood. There's only one bread, one body that was crucified. There's only one resurrection, only one Lord that risen. Then there's only one church, one body of Christ. We can't divide. See, if we can't divide Christ and break them up into pieces and groups, then we can't divide the church. So when you come into Elevate, you shouldn't be like, well, I don't hang out with this person because they're younger than I am. I don't hang out with this person because they speak differently than I do or they like different things than I do. No, because if you're truly a part of Jesus, right, of course, God's approval is going to be seen amongst you. If you truly belong to Jesus, you love everyone. You hold dear to everyone. You remember everyone. And this is what Paul tells us to help us understand not to fall into this. He tells us to examine ourselves. And to examine ourselves is like investigate yourself. Investigate yourself. Look thoroughly at yourself. Look at your actions. Look at your motives. Why did you speak to that person? Why did you ignore that person? Why did you, in your mind, cuss that person out? Why do you hate that person? Why is there bitterness? Because if you don't examine yourself, you bring judgment upon yourself. You understand that? Your sin is serious. 
the way you do church, the way that you fellowship here, the way that you are around your, the fellow believers is serious. If you're doing it with pride and selfish ambition and bitterness and jealousy and envy, there's judgment that waits for you. You have to examine yourself. You have to see exactly what your motives are. It's not, a, it's not a weird, like, balance, like, oh, oh man, I got to make sure I don't sin. Oh, I sin. Let me just repent. No, it's very clear. Your actions, the Lord will lead you, and he will guide you. He will show you what you did was wrong, and he will help correct you. And then when you do is you repent. You just say, okay, God, thanks for that correction. Let me continue not to do that. But that's the problem. We have to examine ourselves first. If we can't receive the Lord's correction, if we're blind to what God wants to correct us in, if we are in here and we think just because we're here, we're good, then Paul was writing a letter for no reason. Just because you're sitting in this seat does not mean you're doing the right thing. Examine yourself. See if you're a living right. See if there is a problem with you and another person and solve it. Are there factions and divisions in Elevate? Is there gossip and slander and favoritism in Elevate? Do you notice, because favoritism is obvious, how many of y'all know you're not the favorite child? I'm pretty sure you do. (laughs) I'm pretty sure you know you're not the favorite child. Why? Because it's obvious. It's obvious when there's favoritism. It's also obvious to the person who's showing favoritism. Do you favor other people more than others? Simply based off personality. Simply based off common interest. Listen, common interest. I've had many, I've had common interests with people that, man, really aren't the best people. And just because we have common interests doesn't mean all of a sudden now we should be best friends. And some of the best and closest friends I've had, I have nothing in common with. Nothing. Except that we love the Lord. You see, we have to examine ourselves. If I can have uh, Melanie come up, please. Now, here's the thing. In that time, people are being very selfish. We go to verse 21 to 23. This right here says this, as a result of the division, right? As a result of the unworthy manner that people are eating communion in, we have, we have people. So then when you come together, all right, right here. For when you are eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. As a result, one person remains hungry and another gets drunk. What is he trying to say here? Well, he's trying to say this, that one, back in the day, people were getting lit in communion, right? They were getting lit. They were getting drunk. They were taking a little bit too much of the Lord's Supper. They were overindulging themselves and forgetting about the rest. They were being selfish. They were saying, I care about myself. I don't really care about them. They got to find their own way. They got to figure it their, their own way. They got to get their own food somehow. But I got here first. This is my food. I constantly have to tell the kids in my school that the first shall be last. Because then they want to get to the first of the line so bad that they're willing to elbow each other in the face. It's crazy. It's crazy. Like literally this kid is like grabbing him like, I was first, Timmy. And then just shakes him. And I'm like, whoa, whoa. It's not that serious. It's not that serious. But for them, they were thinking, Man, I get here first. I get to eat whatever I want. I'm not, I'm not really caring about the others. A little background for that is that usually the rich people got there first, the people that already had food. And the poor brothers and sisters got there last. 
They didn't really have food. So when they came here, that was pretty much the only food that they had. Rich people would eat, and they would overindulge. Poor people would go hungry. One person is left with more than they need. The other person is left with less than they need. And Paul's solution to this is super practical. He's saying just eat at home. Before you come here, eat at home. But what's the mindset? What's the heart behind this? He's saying when you eat, think of the others. You see, when we come together, are you thinking about the person next to you? Some of y'all need to think about the Lord Jesus first. Not thinking about what time it is. Not thinking about when it's the sermon's going to be over. You need to think about Jesus first. And when you think about the Lord, you should then think about the people next to you. Are they okay? Do they have enough? Because if you don't love people, if you don't have fellowship with people, that is an indication you don't have God's approval. You're not in fellowship with God. That means you're not eating at the Lord's table. You're eating at the table of demons. Because I'm telling you right now, those people that they had their own parties, they had their own tables, they didn't even know they were at the tables of demons. If everyone can stand up, please, and if I can have my altar workers. The reason why this is important is simple. We can't think only about ourselves and refuse to have friendship with other believers based on personality, based on culture, based on class, based on how we dress, based on how we talk. We have one cup, we have one bread, we have one blood, one death, one resurrection, one body. Therefore, we should come together as one. When you're at Elevate, just because you guys are from different parts of the city, you guys are homeschooled, you guys go to public school, you guys are older, you guys are younger, doesn't mean that you can't have fellowship. What it means now is that you just have more, more things to know. More things to know. I've come in my understanding as a Christian. I haven't been Christian a long time. But the time I have had been a Christian, a Christian the best people to fellowship with, the, with are the people that the only interest we have in common are, are the Lord. Those are the best people. I have the best conversations. I have the closest bonds to them. One of my closest friends, Yuli, we, we did work out together. That was a common interest. But for the most part, we had nothing in interest. He ends, up being one of my he ends up being one of my best men at my wedding. We, I like sports. He hates sports. I play video games. He never played a video game, right? But he loves to evangelize. He loves the word. He loves apologetics. He loves to learn more about Jesus. He loves to care for those that can't, be, uh, that can't care for themselves. And I saw that in him, and I saw Christ in him. And I began to say, man, I want to have the Lord's Supper. I want to sup with this guy. So you guys should see each other, instead of seeing all the outer things, see Christ in each other. See Christ in each other. Like, man, I really love the way this person prays. I want to be close to this person. Man, I really love this, the way this person always includes people in conversations. I want to be like that. You see, when we see Christ in one another, right, the fellowship becomes easier. Because what? Our fellowship is not based off anything but Christ, his death, his burial, his resurrection, his blood, and his body. That's what our fellowship's about. Other than that, it's garbage. So this is what you need to do. You need to be born again into the body of Christ. Because if I'm talking to you, you're not saved. You're not a part of any of this. You're outside. You're outside. But if you are born again, examine yourself investigate 
your motives and your heart and your actions and repent if you need to. And once you've done that, what I want you to do is every time you're in a meal with other people, that's the Lord's Supper right there. It wasn't meant just to be every once a Sunday. When you're in the presence of the Lord, which is the Holy Spirit, he carry, He's the one that gives us the presence of God, that's the Lord's Supper. Invite people to it. But remember the Lord and remember the body. Remember the people that haven't been remembered. Remember the outcasts. Remember the people in the Elevate group that don't really have that many friends, the new people, right? You remember them. You include them in the Lord's Supper because Jesus, when he broke that bread and when he poured that wine into the cup, right, he joined us together as one. Last thing you need to do is enjoy. You need to enjoy. You have to have joy in this fellowship. No one is going to love a person who thinks they're a burden. None of you are burdens. When I'm around each and every one of you, you're not a burden. I love being around you. I've been coming to Elevate on Fridays since I was 18 or before that because I love the youth. I love you guys. You guys aren't burdened. I want you guys to be welcomed into this supper, but that's your decision because once I welcome you the same way I welcomed you, I want you to welcome other people in your table, in your lunch table. Welcome people. Hey, man, why don't you eat with me, bro? Let's talk, man. How are you doing? How can I pray for you? Let's read a verse. Let's, let's find out something about God in your life, right? There's something you can do to invite people to Jesus over a meal. It's that simple. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. Lord, we thank you, God. Just right now, begin to examine yourself. Lord, are, are, we, are we good as a youth group, God? Are there any divisions in us, God? Lord, is there any bitterness, any slander going on, any gossip going on, Lord? Reveal it to us, Lord. We don't want to be wrong in this place. We want to live according to your righteousness. God, help us to live holy, Lord, so that the fellowship will be holy, God. Lord, I pray that when you see us, Lord, and when other people see us, they're not thinking, oh, man, these people shouldn't have to hang out. They shouldn't hang out. They're better off not hanging out, God. I pray that our fellowships and our, our friendships and our hangouts in this place, God, that when we eat together, God, I pray that it would be fruitful, Lord, that it would be beneficial to the person eating there. If there's any bitterness or any slander and gossiping you've been participating in, I want to invite you guys up to the altar. If you're not saved, if you're not a part of fellowship, uh, the friendship of God, if you're not a friend to God, because God doesn't have, uh, not everyone is a friend of God. Not everyone is a friend of God. You have to be born again in order to be a friend of God. If you haven't repented of your sins and received new life, you need to come up here and do that. Just a few more moments. Listen, as Melanie sings, I want you guys to, to understand the point of the message it is simple, simply this. The Lord wants us to be, come together, and he wants us to remember him, but he also wants to remember, remember each other. I want to think about you guys throughout the week, not because, you know, it makes me feel better or, you know, makes me seem like a better person, but because the Lord wants us to remember each other. Are you remembering the person next to you? Do you pray for the person next to you? Family members in this place, is there problems in your family? Are you close to the person you're next to? 
I'm not saying you got to be best friends, but there should be nothing wrong between you. You guys should be one together. Before we just dismiss you guys into the foyer, I just want to bring up a point. The Lord doesn't divide. It's we who divide from the Lord. His word does divide. Amen. That's the truth. But only because we're wrong. You see, those people, they were leaving. They were dividing. They were taking away from the Lord's Supper. And I just want to let you know, if you're in this place and you're not following Jesus, or you don't feel like you belong and elevate, I want you to think about it. Are you the one dividing? Because if you're the one dividing, this is a simple thing. Jesus is saying, come, let's come together. Let's come together. There's, there's no hatred. There's no fury and wrath for you. There's an invite for you to come and fellowship, to come hang out. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your grace and your mercy. Lord, apart from your grace... God, we would not know you, Lord. It's not because of anything we've done. It's not because of anything we've said, any magic prayer, any, any attendance, Lord. Nothing we've done has ever deserved your grace, God. And, Lord, it is that grace that invites us to know you and to, to come and, and participate in your divine nature, who you are, Jesus. So, Lord, as you invite us to, to fellowship with you, to be a friend of yours, God, I pray that we would also invite others, Lord, that we would understand that our walk is not alone, Lord, but there's people around us. Father, may we always remember you, Lord Jesus, your death and your burial, your resurrection, but, Lord, help us to remember others in prayers, Lord. Help us to remember others when we eat, God. Help us to be inclusive, Lord, to, to those who are in the body and to those that are out the body help us to invite God and to to reach out Lord so that they can know you be glorified in this place let everything we do be done to give you glory in Jesus name amen amen you guys are dismissed bless the Lord bless the Lord God is good go eat go fellowship apply the message now we got some